Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. If we can turn to Matthew chapter number 6. Amen. This morning, Matthew chapter number six. Please remember, Ministry Madness continues tonight with um, Pastor Jerry Mason. will be here ministering the word of the Lord, our administrative pastor. Amen. And so we're just continuing to follow in the vein and following Brother Zach McGee. And so, Brother Mason, tonight, you will not want to miss that. Matthew chapter number six, verse number 11. Very short verse here today, but this is our focal point for this morning concerning the Lord's Prayer. Jesus tells his disciples to pray after this manner to give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about daily bread. Amen. This morning. Hallelujah. Let's ask the Lord to help us, shall we? Amen. Today in this lesson. Father, we need you. God, I pray, oh, Lord, we need your spirit, God, your power, your anointing. I pray, oh, Lord, that you're able to speak and minister, Lord, through us, through your word. I pray, oh, God, in this word, Lord Jesus, is a life, God. And we need that life, God, for our own personal lives today. God, I pray, Jesus, that you touch each and every individual here, God, in the way, God, that they need to be ministered to and will not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. We will this morning, I just to get started, want to turn your attention back to the Old Testament of Isaiah chapter number six, where Isaiah was saying that in the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train, filled the temple. And it's in this setting of Isaiah chapter number six that Isaiah as a prophet realized his own uncleanness whenever he found himself in the presence of God. After having seen the king, the Lord of hosts, he recognized his own uncleanness. The Bible says in Isaiah six and six, then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal which basically means having a hot coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar mainly the altar of incense and so God commanded the priests of course in their lot to burn incense on the golden altar of incense every morning and every evening. That was to take place day by day. The same time that they daily burnt Amen. This incense in the morning, the evening, they also had burnt offerings that were made in the morning and the evening as well. And so the incense was to be left burning, according to the Old Testament scripture, continually throughout the day and throughout the night as a pleasing aroma unto the Lord's. In many, in many senses, uh, this, this incense that arises pictures the prayers wafting, if you will, up into heaven like incense is also captured in the book of Psalms, something that is going up into the heavens. David speaks of it. John the Revelator speaks of it in the book of Revelation. But firstly, David in Psalms 141 and 2 says, let my prayer 
be set forth before thee as incense in the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Again, both of those things uh, intersecting the lifting up of the incense and the sacrifice morning and evening. David says, I want the prayer that I pray to be as the incense, constantly going up into heaven, being a sweet smell in, in the nostrils of God, while I also lift up my hands as an evening sacrifice unto God. John the Revelator speaks of this as well. In Revelations chapter number 8, verses 3 through 4, the Bible says, and another angel came and stood at the altar. And just as a side note, again, kind of tying in with some of the other things that we've been speaking about here lately, uh, he's referring to that heavenly tabernacle that the earthly tabernacle was just a shadow and a reflection of. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And so this, this altar of incense is where they would bring the incense and there would be coals of fire that would be brought as well, amen, in order to burn or allow the incense to rise. And so in order for Isaiah to speak in chapter number six, that he required or asked of the angel of the Lord to take a live coal or a hot coal from the altar and lay it on his lips to cleanse his lips, that we must be able to do deduce this morning that Isaiah must have been close enough to the altar of incense in order for that coal to be hot when it touched his lips. Naturally, any coal taken of any grand distance is going to cool off on the journey. So in order for it to be a live coal, a hot coal that was laid to the lips of Isaiah, he must have been close enough that it didn't cool off by the time it touched his lips. Amen. In other words, he must have been living close to the altar. He must have been living close to the altar. And we can only, even yet today, experience that live coal, so to speak, that hot coal, when we keep a close distance to the altar as well where the incense arises, where prayers arise, amen, unto the Lord as a sweet savor unto God, amen. And so only after we have drawn into a relationship, a relationship with God in the first section of the Lord's prayer, through hallowing his name, his kingdom coming, right, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven, only drawn into a relationship with God in the first part of the Lord's prayer, are we allowed now or in a position or a place to address the Lord concerning some of our own intimate needs of our lives? Amen. And so I would say this, that you are probably more apt to ask for things uh, concerning yourself or that pertain to you only whenever you have first nurtured a relationship with the one who you're asking. I guess what I'm saying is this. Most people, I won't say all people, but most people is not going to ask something grand or maybe of any any size of someone they just don't know i mean i'm saying typical not always there are those rare occasions and you might have been the one that someone asked you of and they're like i don't even know you 
I mean, <laughs> you know, right? And so you, you usually you form a relationship and then you have the request. And so that's kind of the pattern that the Lord's Prayer is followed. We form the relationship and then we come with our petitions and our requests to the Lord. And again, the first three petitions uh, stand alone. Uh, excuse me. I'm, I'm kind of in the head this morning. I don't know if you didn't hear it. But anyway, so I feel stuff. Yeah, never mind. But <laughs> the first three kind of stand alone concerning that relationship with God. But the last three have all of these connectors, conjunctions of the word and. It said concerning the daily bread, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. They're all bound with ands in between them. And so we need all three of these on the human side, you and I. We need all three of these equally. We cannot get alone without any of them, all right? We don't want to just have our daily bread, so to speak, and not have forgiveness in our life. We, we need all all of these things equally. And so as we do this, though, in this second section of the Lord's Prayer, he deals with these three essential needs of mankind, of humanity, and these three three things in three different, and I, I said this from the very onset of our study, in three different spheres or three different modes of time in which man moves, meaning the past and the present and the future. First of all, he asks for daily bread, thereby if you will, asking for that which is necessary for the maintenance of our lives. Amen. We need some daily bread, bringing, bringing the need of the present time of the day of today to the throne of God. How many need some daily bread? And I'm not just talking about bunny bread or Sarah Lee or whatever you got going. I'm talking about some daily provision, some help from the Lord. He also asks for forgiveness. All right. And when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness for something that has been done wrong or incorrect. Yes, it could happen in the same day, but usually it's something from the vantage point of right now that's happened in the past, whether that was one minute ago, three hours ago, 10 months ago. Right. And so, again, he's bringing his past into the presence of God and asking for forgiveness, asking for some forgiving grace. So his present is in the, the presence of God. His past is in the presence of God. And thirdly, he asked for help in temptation. All right? And again, there's a certain note there that he's committing then his future. The temptations that will come that might be there right now, yes, but for those that will come, amen, he's laying then his life from, from the past to the present to the future in the hands of the Lord. And all of these things are essential. He needs some provision for today. He needs from for forgiveness for yesterday. And he needs some protection from evil for tomorrow. Amen. And so he brings all of these petitions before the Lord and lays them before the Lord. Amen. Because he needs the grace of God for his life in all these different areas of time. Amen. And so it, is it a coincidence then that time is dealt with in that order, the way that it's laid out here in the Lord's Prayer? It's, it's not as we would normally say it. We'd normally say, you know, past, present, future. We go to the back and go, go to the front, past, present, and future. But the way it's laid out here in the Lord's Prayer is that it is, I want you to help me with what's daily, the present, then touch my past, and then go into my future. Hey Amen. I, I don't think it's coincidence that it's ordered like that. I believe the Lord is very purposeful and telling, because I guess he could have started, amen, and told them at this mode and told them and forgive us our debts, but he didn't. He started with what was right now. 
He started where they were in their present life right now. And so we are to have as maybe one of our first concerns in this life is where we are right now, the present, the here and now. We need the intervention of God here and now. And then maybe we can start consider what was in the past and then look to the future and ask for the help and the aid of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because get it, listen, we, we can sometimes we spend a lot of time on our past but we let the present go unattended to. And guess what happens? When we get into our tomorrow, we have the past to deal with again. Right? But if we deal with the past, amen, where we are, and get some, if you will, covering the help from the Lord, then for our past, get our present, then our past, then we can look to the future. And so all of these elements of the Lord's Prayer, of course, all of these focus upon God. Even these petitions that seem and look like they relate to us, they all focus upon God. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts and lead us not to temptation. Really, they all depend upon God because I can't give myself daily bread and I can offer forgiveness, but it is going to be just it's not going to have no volume. It's not going to have no importance. It's not going to be valid unless there was the cross, unless there was ever Calvary, amen, and bloodshed for the forgiveness of sins. And I cannot get away from temptation, amen, if he won't lead me away from it and help me in that endeavor when I ask him. So in reality, this whole Lord's Prayer, it focuses upon the Lord. I might be praying it, but it's about my dependency upon him. And we spoke about this more than once our prayer shows a dependency upon God really prayer is about that it's about me depending up on God and to live a prayerless life as I said last week and I say again this week yes that leads to a powerless life but it also leads to a life of arrogance as though I don't need any help I got this God I I work I put the food on my table well yeah but you understand what I'm saying? I, I got this. I got good doctors and I have, I have good medical insurance that can provide the medicine I need for my... Yeah, but... You know? So, we got to be careful when we think our own hand has caused these different things. That, oh, I, I bought this house and it's paid for. Yeah, but... You understand what I'm saying? So... When we look at give, and just looking at these words of this verse number 11, give is a request for then some, some, some action. Give us, look, the word us, it doesn't say give me. Again, the Lord's prayer encompasses us all. You're thinking about your neighbor, not just yourself when you're doing this. He said give us, all inclusive, plural, give us this day. The time frame is right now. The time frame is in this moment, not in the future context, but right now. Our, again, encompassing all, our, all right? Look, our daily bread. Now, this is interesting. It says our daily bread, our daily bread. Just say, give us this day your daily bread. They're asking to be given something that evidently they already own. Give us this day our, that's possessive. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily, daily. It's an ongoing thing. It's an everyday statement. Not a one-time item, but a daily item. Daily 
bread, that which we have need of to sustain our lives. And I'm not just talking about literal yeast that rises type of bread. Amen. Because in reality, bread throughout Scripture, it was just a source of life. And not just through the means of food. It was just put for being a source, uh, a thing that helped you in life. So, and here's the thing. It's my daily bread. What I need for my life today. Well, I need for, in other words, your daily bread might not be mine. What you need for today might not be what I need for today. But nonetheless, we all have a daily bread that is needed for the right now moment today. See, one day your daily bread, you might need encouragement. Another person's daily bread might be they need correction. It's what you need in the moment. It's what you need for the day. Alan Redpath said it like this. He said, give us this day bread suited to our need. I like that. Give us this day bread suited to our need because bread, again, includes more than just food. It includes all the things of life. Bread is a term for the general needs of mankind. The Bible says, Matthew 4 and verse 4, some are familiar with, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone or by bread at all, all right, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our request for daily bread underscores the idea that prayer then must be a daily function of our lives. If the Lord said, pray after this manner, disciples, give us this day our daily bread. If that's something that you're going to ask for daily, then your asking must be daily. Daily bread. And so prayer must be a daily function of our lives. And he instructs us not to ask for, he doesn't ask us, he doesn't say, give us this day bread for tomorrow no he said give us this day our daily not bread in advance but daily bread and again to ask for that you must then petition him daily not once not once a week not just when you feel like it right not when it's just convenient but daily someone say daily give us this day our daily bread daily the extraordinary fact was that until a short time ago, there was no other known occurrence of this word in the whole of the New Testament Greek, even literature, for the word daily that it's translated from. There was no other occurrence of this word in the whole Greek literature, even for that matter. Uh, but as time went on and people have uh, studied and found fragments of this and that, not too long ago, they found a little paperous fragment uh, turned up with this word that's translated daily on it. And the little papyrus fragment was actually a woman's shopping list. <laughs> that just catches me funny. Just, oh boy, daily on a woman's shopping list. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it was, all right, for clarity, it was on there uh, against an item it was on there next to another word that she needed something of every day, something that she was going to require every day, and she'd put daily whatever that word was. So it wasn't just meaning that she went shopping daily, okay? Just clear the air right now before someone tells on me to my wife after this is all over. Amen. 
It was just a note to remind her to buy a, a certain supply or a certain food daily. She was there today. She was going to do it. And she said daily. So, so very simply, what this petition means is give me the things we need to eat for this day. Give me, help me to get the things that I've got, if I could do it for the lady here, on my shopping list when I go out this morning. Uh, as I go out, give me the things that I need to eat when the children come in for school, when, when the men folk come in for work. Grant, grant that my table won't be bare today when we sit down together. It's just a simple prayer that God will supply us with the things that we need for the coming day. Somebody, we don't even know yet, tomorrow we're going to wake up and there's been times I've told God, very simply, real, real close to this prayer, God, I need this today. Just... Uh, I don't know if it's known what I'm going to face already when I get up in the morning, what's on the planner schedule. I'm just like, God, I need a little bit of whatever today, right? I, there's been times I've stated that, Sister Margaret. God, I need some patience today. Because I knew I was going to be dealing with something that's going to try it. I, I, I need some patience today. Or God, I, I need your love to really flow through me today. Because I'm going to be bombarded with a lot of who. And I'm going to need to be able to showcase your life. I need that today. Amen. And that's the way things are. God gives us, this is the thing. God many times gives us what we need for the moment. He gives us what we need for the day. It's like he doesn't go overboard and it's like, boom, here's this big supply for me. It's amazing God's like that. He'll let you see the next step, but he doesn't show you the whole staircase. He lets you see your next move, but he doesn't show you every move after that one. It's only after you take that. It's just, it's just the way it seems like God is sometimes. And I think it corresponds with the way that the culture of this day even did. In Jesus' day in their culture, the common worker that worked uh, for an employer, they, were com they weren't paid bi-week or bi-weekly or monthly. In this culture, they were paid each day at the end of the day. They were paid each day at the end of the day. They were used to, I know we say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just living one day or taking it one. They really were. They, they were living one day at a time because they just got paid each day. They, 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 I know, listen, I, Andrew McBroom, I know, is out of his era because he goes to Walmart every day. Almost. So see, that they understood that. They would have had to go to Walmart every day because they got paid every day. And so they'd have to get the daily needs. And so this is the attitude that Jesus wants us to have, that no matter, for that matter, no matter how often, quote, unquote, we get paid, that we need to be asking for some daily bread, right? Daily bread. There's some things I need today, amen, that perhaps tomorrow, perhaps yesterday didn't require, but it does today. You understand what I'm saying? I know we've, and if you want to talk about Walmart, things like, have you ever just done your shopping? To find out then the next day you found out there was something you needed? What did you do? You went to the store and you picked up what you needed for that day. If you didn't need it, you wouldn't have been there to pick it up. But it was needed. The Lord's saying every day there's going to be something new come on the table that you're going to need. He says, and I, I, I want you. You're not doing me a disservice. I want you to ask me about it. I want you to ask me for it. So at times we, we lack, a lack of supply may indicate that whew, 
Maybe sometimes we sought for our own supply from other venues and didn't seek his supply. But we want our daily needs met. The Bible says in 2 Kings 4 and 6, again alluding to the idea that it seems like sometimes the Lord supplies the need of the moment. The Bible says, and I preached on this, this setting of verses not long ago, and it came to pass when the vessels were full, right, that she said unto her son, bring me yet another vessel, the woman with the creditors that had come to take her sons. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more and the old state. You remember the story. She told her sons to bring empty vessels and not a few. They brought as many as they could from their neighbors and acquaintances around them. But the only the oil stayed, which is just a word in the Old Testament means that the oil stopped. The oil stopped. No more would pour out when there wasn't another vessel to fill. And so the oil continued to flow as long as there was a need to fill. And it stopped only when there was not another empty vessel. And so the limitation was not in the supply of oil. It's not where the limitation was. The limitation was in the lack of empty vessels. Because as long as there had been another empty vessel, there had been more oil flowing into the vessel. It stopped or stayed when there wasn't anything else empty. What that means is for us, think about it for a moment. I don't want to have the mindset, I've got this, God. Can't add anything here. I'm Paul McGee. We learn many times then that our blessings sometimes are limited by our capacity to receive them. The, the emptiness to receive, amen, he supplies where the need is. And if I don't see myself or account myself as needy, and I got it all together plus a bag of chips, huh? the oil flows to where the need is. If the woman had brought 20 vessels, 20 vessels were filled. If she brought 100 vessels, 100 vessels were filled. The flow did not stop until the need, the emptiness, was filled and there was no longer a void. And so we, we, when, when we don't pray to him, when we don't indicate that we don't have a need, all right, when we do this, we have in essence shut off the supply. So I, I, I tell you today, I don't mind to be a needy person whenever it comes to God. I don't mind to be a needy person and tell him how I lack and how insufficient I am, and how I don't have the means, because when I do that, all he is seeing is emptiness, 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 and there's enough oil. Prove me now, huh? If I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you have not room enough to contain. Amen. I'm a needy person, God. Amen. And so I want him to know that. Amen. I don't want his supply to be shut off here. I need something new. I need something today. Hallelujah. And so a deterrent sometimes to prayer is our pride. Yeah, it is our pride. The book of Daniel vividly describes something in Daniel chapter number four. Describes this. This I am the creator of my own domain type of thinking. I'm my own person type of thinking. In the story of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, of course, 
he visioned his kingdom to be this mighty kingdom. He had a dream and uh, about the, the head of gold and, and, and the, the chest and such of silver and the legs of brass. And whenever Daniel began to describe what everything was, how the head of gold was, was the kingdom of Babylon, it isn't long after and we see then that uh, Nebuchadnezzar makes a whole statue then just 100% gold, um, the man, you know. And so he gets this, this arrogancy about him. He's a proud monarch in Babylon. He is a great king. Uh, great in his nation and for his age, but he walks out on, in the evening hours upon uh, the balcony and in the area in which his domain is of his palace in the city of Babylon, and he looks over the city, and this is what he says in Daniel 4 and verse 30. The Bible says, Then, spake, then king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. <sighs> He's a little proud of what here's before him. He's seeing everything that he has that's under his command as something that's 100% directly tied to and re, 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 a, a, uh, I, the word has just eluded me. But nonetheless, that he is responsible for all these things. And so he's reveling in what he thought was his power, his ingenuity, all inherit in myself. This has come to pass. Behold, the great work of Nebuchadnezzar. And as a result of that, that defiant assumption of having this basic power of supply in his life, God then brought judgment upon him. And the Bible says, and you can read it in Daniel, that King Nebuchadnezzar, this great monarch, became as a beast of the field. He grew feathers, the Bible says, and wings, and that he turned out and he was eating grass off the ground. And he ate in the fields, I believe it was for seven years, if I'm not mistaken, for seven years out there. He's in the fields, and in reality, it was just, God's being a little dramatic, but it's God's dramatic way of, of dealing with the ingratitude of this man, Nebuchadnezzar, to become animal-like and almost as a beast eating off the ground because he has all of this self-centeredness and this grown ego that he's going to cause. He said, I'm going to, you who was a man, I'm going to make you as a beast of the field. You say that you've done all of this as though there is no fingerprint of God in anything that's before you then I'm going to make you as a beast of a field till you understand your real place in life. I tell you what, I don't want to be a beast tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to be animal-like. And I don't want God to take, you, take me to that place of having to do the humbling for me. I believe, I think T.F. Tenney a long time ago, he said, he said that if you'll, because the Bible talks to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, Right? And uh, to do these type of things and then that Christ and God would exalt us in due time, right? That we make ourselves a base and God exalt us. He, I think T.F. Tenney said like this one time. He said, if you'll do your job, God will do his. But if you don't do your job, God will do your job. If you don't abase yourself or humble yourself, God will do that for you. I don't want God doing what I'm supposed to do <laughs> when it comes to that. That's what happened with King Nebuchadnezzar. God did his job. 
He wouldn't abase himself. He wouldn't humble himself. He wouldn't make himself the one that was in need. And so the way in which we receive our, our differing needs that may be many is through several different channels in this life. The reason why I say that is that there are a lot of different channels in which God supplies our needs in this life, but there is only one source. Several different means through which they're supplied, but there's only one source. It's like uh, uh, all these different tributaries or rivers that, that come and flow and you see them branch out, but only having one source up in some mountain somewhere, you know, where it all began. Several different tributaries, several different channels, but only one source, and that one source, namely, is God. Amen. And in this statement, what I'm saying is we're identifying where those general needs are met and where they come from. Amen. I don't need to confuse the channel for the source. The petition is that the source is God. He's implied behind the verb give. He's praying to God, speaking to God, give us. God is the one doing it. He uses channels, tributaries to get it to us, but he's the one doing it. The Bible says in James 1 and verse 16, it says, do not err, my beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. There are various, might I say, channels that supply our lives, all right? And those channels may change. They may not always be the same. But if we come to a place that we perceive the channel to be the source of supply, then we will fret when the channel dries up. What? you got to understand who the supplier is and trust the supplier. He may use a variety of means, a variety of venues, but he doesn't always have to say, use the same venue in order to meet your need. Right. Because with that type of mentality, well, this is how he supplied it before. Through this venue, through this way. And we get tunnel visioned on that. And that's broken. That's not there. That doesn't exist anymore. Whoa, we're flaying out here in the water. How in the world is this going to happen? Listen, all of those channels, all of those venues are just things and tools that God uses. God is still in control. God is still... Look, the simple story in the Old Testament of the prophet Elijah, who by the order of God instructed of the Lord, said that by, by, by the mouth of God, there's not going to be rain upon this land for three and a half years, or there's not going to be rain upon this land until the Lord speaks that there's rain upon the land. And so there's no land upon the area. As a result of it, the crops begin to fail. As a result of it, amen, then the animals that need the crops and need the water start to fail. There is a famine and then all throughout the land. And the Bible tells Elijah, he says, go down to the brook called Cherith and I will sustain you there. And while he's by the book, Brook Cherith, the Bible even says that he had ravens to bring him bread and flesh in the morning and the evening. What I'm telling you is this, the Brook Cherith still had some water in it. God was supplying Elijah's need through a brook and through the ravens channels guess what the brook dried up the raven ceased to fly Elijah could have said oh no 
Look at this. That's where I got water. No. No. That's how the water got to you. But that's not where you got it. The ravens. That's how I got. That, that's where my food came from. No, no, no. That's how the food got to you. But God sent the food. He can use a brook. He might use a raven one day. He told the men of God, what did he say? He said, now go to Zarephath. There's a woman there that's going to sustain you. What did God do? He changed channels. He changed venues. He changed tributaries. But it was still coming from God. Folks, we don't need to get caught up in the channel or the venue. We need to let our trust be exactly where the trust needs to be. It's in the Lord. And if that channel dries up tomorrow, he can supply another channel. Amen. The next day, our supplier... Give us this day. Our supplier is God. He is the source. He's not dried up. He's not faded off the picture somewhere. Hallelujah. He is our ever supplying meets our ever-supplying need in our lives. Amen. God does. You know, even today, as far as I know, this is still the case, that no man has created a seed, a synthetic seed, all right, by themselves, lab-oriented synthetic seed, which will grow. From my understanding, they have tried that. They can analyze a seed, all of its little elements, but there's no synthetic seed that ever grows that they try to manufacture because all the living things come from God. And so our food, therefore, is a direct gift from God. The money in my pocket, the one who the Old Testament tells me, he gives me both power, strength, for health and wealth, that comes from God. The trees, the coins, the minerals, right? Oh, well, that's made of iron, and the earth gave us iron. Baloney. You know who put that vein of silver? Oh, well, that happened because generations of time, and there was the compression of the... Do you know who created that to begin with that causes the scientific pressure to take... Amen. Now, asking God to provide our needs does not free us from the responsibility. I'm saying this not because I think anybody's like this, but it's just good measure. Asking God to provide for our needs does not free us from the responsibility of working. God satisfies our needs partially by giving us the ability and the opportunity to secure and earn a living. Just for anybody that's out there in the wonder of cyberspace land, does not excuse us from working. The Bible says in Genesis 3 and verse 19, all the way in the book of beginning to Adam, he said, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thy return into the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and shalt dust thou shalt return. He says, and I understand that part of this was part of the curse, that not, 
he was going to work anyway, but he said, in the sweat of your face, there's going to be toil. There's going to be some type of, uh, uh, man, I'm foggy today. Get all that stuff out of my head. <laughs> man, in the sweat of thy face, there's going to be the toil. There's going to be the heartache in getting the bread, but you're going to do that, and there's going to be work involved. It's going to be there if you just do a little bit of work, amen, to, to, to uh, put, put the grain there and allow it to grow and, and pulverize that and so on and so forth, however it goes. Amen. Work is, work is just, let me say it like this, work is just as much as part of creation. As male being male, female being female, as the tree of life, work is. Okay, can I have a commercial side note just here for a moment, just real quick. Before God ever took Eve to Adam to be his wife, he had set Adam, look at your Bibles, over the garden to dress it and keep it. Ladies, listen to me. Whether never married or married before and go marry again, don't mess around with a man that don't have a job. Because from the order of creation, God gave him a job before he ever gave him a wife. Now that's good teaching right there. Huh? Isn't that good teaching, Sister Margaret? That's good teaching right there. First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, which basically means unbeliever. He's worse than an unbeliever. Paul's telling Timothy that it's important for people again to provide and care for their households. So just because God supplies doesn't get us off the hook for doing the due diligence of what he has required us as mankind. Second Thessalonians 3.10, the Bible says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should they eat. Well, now, amen. In other words, again, we're not off the hook here. Okay, I don't want to linger there too long before people, tomatoes and stuff. Exodus 16 and verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread. He's speaking about the manna. Rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Here's a good case in point. He supplied the manna. It fell upon the ground in the morning when the dew was upon the ground. They had, they had the uh, command from the Lord that they work together a certain portion of it, each for their family, not anything more than that, not anything less than that. But note, he didn't drop the manna in their tent on the whatever hearth. You get it? He did, he did, you know, and they wake up and, you know, everybody's asleep and they start saying, oh, it smells like bread in here. No. It was out there and he told them that they would go out there and gather it. Work. Work. So I'll supply it, but you got your end of this that you need to, you need to be faithful over as well. And so, again, the, the man in the Old Testament, of course, is a prototype of the bread, amen, that he's speaking to us even about today. They would give the bread daily, new every morning on uh, prior to the Sabbath. It would, twice as much would fall, and they would gather twice as much because they were not to be doing any gathering on the Sabbath. They were to be doing worshiping. Oh, boy. Okay. 
I'm not planning stuff like this. I'm just saying. I understand our society today is totally different than what it was. Industrial revolution has revolutionized the world more than one way. Not all for the better. But again, there's a difference when they require you to work and you volunteer to work. When it's time for worship. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. Love everybody. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, mercy. One thing is certain. We may ask for daily bread. Nobody can eat the bread for us. There's a multitude other people can do for us, multitude of things. We may even hire some things to be done in our lives. I have no problem with that. But no one can eat the bread for us. Missionary from Uganda, he made this conclusion while addressing an audience. He pointed out that in America we have food, but no appetite. He said, where we come from, he said, we have appetite, but no food. Well, I don't, I want some daily bread because I need it and I'm desiring it. I want it. Lord, please don't let me get in the place that I don't have an appetite for what you're supplying. I have a desire for what you're, you're giving. And again, without trying to totally spiritualize this statement, I wonder how many times we have received our daily bread in a spiritual context, but have failed to have an appetite for it. We didn't consume it. That's just not my thing. Oh, I tell you what, my mom said it was dinner time. I was ready to eat. And there was a rule that the kitchen was closed after the meal was done. What that meant is you didn't crawl in the cabinets. We were of the, we were of, I was of the generation, you didn't get your hand in the cookie jar. You got in trouble if you did in between meal times. You ate what was there when it was there. You was appreciative for it. Behold, there's a voice from heaven. Amen. Job said it like this, though, concerning spiritual context. Job said in Job 23, verse 12, and I try to hasten to a close quickly. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. And remember the whole story of Job and what's been going on in his life. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job begins chapter 23. He's searching for God. He's searching for God in a time when, again, his life seemed just off the rails, just in pieces. Lost home, family, animals, livestock. He's searching for God in a time in which it seemed he couldn't find him. I looked on my right hand and he was not there. I looked on my left hand. He said in front of me and in back of me, I could not find him. And Job says, in this, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So all this other stuff, he said, I just, I just desired God. 
Even though necessary food, it would almost seem, was even removed from me at this juncture in the road. All those things, the livestock I had, that was nice. And, and the home that I had and all these things, all of that is nice. But there's really one thing that I desire and I esteem more than anything else, and that's the words. It's the words of the mouth from the mouth of the Lord. If you'll stand with me, Jesus knew in Matthew 6, He knew that if his disciples would pray for natural things, that he could and would supply it. But there's a sense here that even beyond the natural, that he would desire for them to pray because when we talk about forgiveness, yeah, that plays out in the earth, but forgiveness is a real spiritual thing. Temptation is a real spiritual thing. There's almost some type of indication here that he's just not, not relaying the natural things that they may pray for. But if they would just pray even for some divine things. Give me this day, yeah, Lord, I need this and that. But give me some, give me some divine bread that will soothe the appetite of my spiritual soul. So I have a relationship with God that each and every day, God, I need some daily bread. There, there are some spiritual things. And Lord, I'm telling you right now, I am so insufficient in spiritual things. I am so incapable in some spiritual matters that I need some daily bread in this aspect. We, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and we're thankful uh, for the gifts, or the fruit of the Spirit, rather, thankful for the fruit of the Spirit, and they are the display of our lives as we mature in the Lord of love and peace and joy and goodness and gentleness. But I guarantee you this, there are some times I've got to step back and say, Lord, give me some temperance today. Give me a little gentleness today. Give, give me that peace of God that passeth all understanding. Lord Jesus, today, give me some daily bread we bow our heads here this morning father we come to you today god we're so thankful lord that you supply all of our need according to your riches and glory god we come day by day lord we need some daily things god i don't have all of this i don't have all this put together i don't have it all figured out God, I don't have it all figured out. God, and there are, some, there are some channels and there are some venues, Lord, of yesterday that have dried up. There are some things, Lord, of yesterday that's no longer there. But, God, I know you're still the source. I'm praying, God, give me this day, Lord, our, our daily bread. God, some things that we are, Lord, in possession of, God, and that we'll receive. God, if we'll just, Lord, ask of you, the great God that's able to distribute and give according to the needs of his people. Lord, God, not just earthly things, not just temporal things, but God, spiritual, eternal things. I need some, Lord Jesus, of those things in this day today. God, in order to live, God, appropriately and uprightly, God, before you, help me, God, with some daily bread today and will not fail to thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. God, right now in the present, in the name of Jesus Christ, that we pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. Someone say ministry madness tonight amen brother mason will be here ministering the word of the lord you don't want to miss out on that at all amen or the other uh sunday evenings here yet to come amen come tonight be ready amen for that amen shake hands with one another greet one another amen consult god concerning your daily bread today amen in jesus name
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.